0: How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Awesome, awesome. For those of you who don't know who I am, um, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Now, my name is Pastor Eddie. I'm one of the pastors here at Rev City Church, and I'm so glad to be able to uh, share with you the message this morning. Pastor Thomas and Amity are out of town this weekend. Be praying for them as they make their way home. And so I'm going to be sharing with you a message this morning to continue the series, Anchored. And today's title, uh, the title of today's message is What is in you? So, if you're taking notes today, you can go on your Uversion Bible app on your phone and you'll find the notes under Rev City there. Online, you can find those as well through the Rev City app there on uh, Uversion. And uh, you'll see the title of the message is What is in You? So, say this with me, please. Repeat after me Self, what is in you? That's a good question to meditate on this morning. And I want you to understand that when you say those words, regardless of the answer to the question that you think in your mind, the truth is going to be revealed through God's word. This morning, I want to show you three types of faith that reveal when we're drifting, when we're just kind of drifting along in our faith. And then at the end, I want to share with you one type of faith that shows that we're anchored. Amen? So let's get to it this morning. Turn with me to the Book of John, chapter 2, and we'll start there in chapter 2, verse 23. And it says, When he was in Jerusalem in the Passover feast, many believed in his name, speaking of Jesus, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about, it, about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus did not, entrust, did not entrust himself to them. Those five words speak volumes. Because you would think that Jesus would have a totally different response to people who are believing in his name. However, when you begin to look a little deeper in the verse, what you see is that these individuals believed in Jesus simply because of the miracles that he did. When the scripture says that he didn't trust himself to them, in essence what it's saying is Jesus did not believe in them. He basically didn't have faith in their faith. So he didn't trust them. He didn't entrust them. He understood that the faith that they exhibited was shallow. It was based solely on external circumstances. It wasn't genuine faith. Now, there is a genuine faith, and we're going to get that in a moment, but this faith lacked commitment. It lacked devotion. When you see the word believe and entrust in this passage of scripture, it carries the same meaning. It's a mere acknowledgement of fact or an event. It's a mental assent. It's use simply of the intellect. Their faith in the Lord was not Real. It was shallow. Now, there is a faith in the Lord that is real that requires us to uh, be anchored to God. This type of faith that I'm speaking about now that we've just read about misses the mark. Now, here's another question for you. Do you have the kind of faith that Jesus can commit himself to? Can he entrust you or himself in you? Now, here's the the interesting part of that. He knows, the Lord knows what is in you. Look at verse 23 again, and if you're taking notes, this is what I like to call sign and sight-based faith. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. They believed in him because of what they saw. Because it was something that was obviously they couldn't deny their eyes. They couldn't refute what they had seen Jesus doing. It was an intellectual faith at work. They were convinced solely by what they saw and were impressed enough to say, this guy's got to be legit. Let's look at another example. In the book of Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, it says, but when they believed, again, the same word, intellect, Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. Same word. After being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when you read that on the surface, once again, you think it's easy believe that Simon's faith was genuine. However, a few verses later, just a few verses, Simon tries to purchase the ability to lay hands on people that they might receive the Holy Spirit, which of course he's rebuked by Peter for. Acts chapter 8 verses 21 and 23 says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, which means extreme wickedness, and in the bond of iniquity, which is unrighteousness of heart and life. Listen, those with this kind of faith are in some way, some former measure, addicted to seeing the spectacular. Simon was a sorcerer, and because of what he saw, he was drawn uh, to Philip's miraculous ministry. You see, sight and sign faith is often ruled by emotion. It's ruled by enthusiasm on, upon witnessing the supernatural. And I'm not saying that we can't get excited when God does something miraculous. That's awesome. However, if we base our faith on miracles and signs and wonders because they appeal to our intellect, what happens when those miracles aren't there. I can tell you what happens because it's written in Matthew 13. And so for it was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears with his intellect to comprehend and understand the word. And immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. And so when tribulation, when persecution arises, on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. Listen. This morning, in churches like this and all over the world, this morning in, in, in synagogues, church, all these things, all these places, the word of God is coming out. And when it comes out, it comes out in seed form. It's sown into the hearts and the lives of other people. It also says in the scriptures that sometimes when that seed is sown, the tribulation and persecution comes on account of the word that is sown. And even if initially you've received that word with joy, with enthusiasm, if it's based only on sight and signs, it's shallow. It has no root. Therefore, immediately when things come to you that are tribulation and persecution, because it has no root, it will not last It has to be believed beyond the intellectual level. And listen, I get it. We serve a God of miracles. He is able to do more than we can think or imagine. However, our focus is never on the miracles. It's on the miracle worker, amen? It should be on the revelation of who God is in his word, in the word of God that you're holding in your Bible on your iPhone app this morning. There's so much that the Holy Spirit wants to deposit into our lives. He leads us and guides us into all truth by his word and by his spirit. The miracles are great, but we don't count on just the miracle. You see, sadly, some people will only follow Jesus because they want to see what He's going to do next. They're going to church, they're going to the conference, they're going to the concert, whatever. They're drifting, simply looking to see if somebody will do something without ever truly become a part, a part of it themselves. Here's the thing: as believers, as followers of Christ, we don't want to just see Jesus doing something. We want to be with Jesus doing the things that Jesus is doing. It's sight and sign faith. And if that's how we operate, then we're just drifting. The second thing is the about me faith. About me a faith. John chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus is calling out to this group for following him, not because of the miracles that he did, but because they were fed. Their faith in him was based solely on what they'd received from him. Not only is this faith shallow as well, it's also selfish. It's about me, faith. What's in it for me? Hey, God, bless me. Hey, God, give me. I pray, Lord God, in the name of me, myself, and I. It's a selfish type of faith. Back in the day, when I was growing up in church, we used to call it name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it, or stab it and grab it, whatever church you went to, to used different ones. Because it was, but here's the thing, the thing about that, it was unbalanced. It was self-centered, not Christ-centered. It was about me. What can I get from you, God? And if I can get something from you, then you must be real. I've had people before tell me this in counseling or in meetings with them. I say, if you do this, do this, do the word of God. The word of God works. Apply the word of God in your life. And they go, I've tried that. It didn't work. It didn't work. And so because it's only about me, I'm not going to do that anymore. If it's about me, faith, you're drifting. If it's about sight and signs, you're drifting. The third one is a buffet style of faith. John chapter 6, verses 53 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Verse 60 says this, When many of the disciples heard this, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? You know, it had to be difficult to be in the crowd at this time because up until that moment, everything that Jesus was saying, they were in agreement with until they weren't. When he got personal, their true commitment to what he was saying was revealed. It's buffet style of faith. Now, I know most of the people in here like buffets, right? Amen, amen? Amen. Online, you like buffets? Yes, we like them, yes. Thumbs up for the buffet. But when we have buffet style of faith, what we're saying is I'll follow you and I may even be your disciple as long as what you say pleases me. But listen, I'm gonna decide where we're gonna go to eat I'm going to decide what I want to eat. And by the way, don't ask me to eat vegetables because I don't like vegetables. I want to park my plate at the dessert line there. I want to follow after that some. I want to check for, look at the dessert selection. I want to choose what I'm going to put on my plate because listen, I appreciate you, Lord, but I really have my own life to live. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They want the buffet. If long as you're telling me what I want to hear, I'm good. The crowd has itching ears. They're only listening to what pleases them. Forget being challenged, as we know the Word of God likes to do, This crowd says, I'm going to eat off the menu of my own choosing. You ever been to the buffet, the Word of God? You're reading along and, like, oh, God, speak to me, Lord, speak to me. Unforgiveness. (sighs) I don't need any of that today. I'm trying to cut back. Love your enemies. Lord, you don't know my enemies. They're not worth loving. Let me move to another passage here. Oh, well, forgive those who persecute. Forgiveness? I'm trying to quit. I'm kind of full, I think, already. Lord, today I'm not going to do that. We take the word of God and we say, this is my buffet and I can choose to eat what I desire. And I can also choose to set it down and say, I don't want any of that today. That's a buffet style of faith. And listen, if you're doing that, you're drifting. You're drifting far from the purposes of God and what he's called you to, which is to take and eat and discover that indeed the Lord is good. And when I look at the word of God and I say, forgive, yes, God, I forgive them, I receive your word for my life, and I forgive them just as you've forgiven me. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, cause them to just feel guilt free, it just releases me from the bondage of unforgiveness. All right? And listen, that's a weight that I could stand to lose. When it says love your enemies, and you're like, yes God, I receive that. I wanna love my enemies, Lord God. And then I see them at the grocery store. And I see that arrow's going the same way as they're going. Oh, gosh, I can't back out of this. I can't be like Michael Jackson and just kind of smooth operator out of there. I continue to walk forward because there's a love for my enemy. He may be my enemy, but I'm going to love him just as Jesus has loved me. Amen? Are you with me? Come on. Listen, the reason I am spending some time on this is because I really do like buffets. But also because God has taken me to a place where He's walked me through His Word. And He said, The very Word that you're reading right now, Eddie, is reading you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at the Word of God and you've seen what I just experienced? Where I'm basically you're like, Unforgiveness. No, I'm not going to do that when that's not what God's saying to me today. The Word reads you. When you read it, when you get into the Word, when you meditate on the Word of God, allow it to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and say, this is where I'm parking you today. Take this and eat it. And when you do, you're moving away from that buffet style of faith and you're taking the Word of God for what it is, the truth. These three types of faith are, of signs, are signs of Drifting. And they represent the type of faith that Jesus simply cannot entrust himself to because those people are unreliable. They're unstable. By the way, at any given moment, you and I are probably falling into one of these categories if we're not careful. What is needed is a faith that brings us into alignment with God's will and purposes, which causes us... uh, to commit to him so that he mutually commits to us, and then he entrusts himself to us. When that happens, you're no longer drifting. Now you're anchored. And anchored in what I like to call the crucified faith. If you're taking notes at home, write that down. Crucified faith. This faith is the most powerful form of faith because it's a faith that is firmly rooted and grounded, founded upon Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at the cross for you and I. This is a type of faith we were created and called to live by. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The crucified faith keeps us anchored to the truth. Now listen, every one of us has a truth. I have a truth and you have a truth. But it has to line up with the truth. And if it doesn't, I've got to be willing to lay my truth down and get his truth inside of me. Amen? See, his truth allows me to walk in peace. It strengthens me, even in the most difficult times and circumstances. Through the crucified faith, we live out what 2 Corinthians calls us to live out. We walk by faith and not by sight. I love the miracles, but I don't want to have a sight and sign faith. I love when God provides for me, but I want to have it as about me faith. I love to eat at buffets, but when it comes to God's words, I want to take all of it, not just what feels good. What is in you? What is in you this morning at home? What is in you in this room? How's your walk with the Lord been? Is it sight and sign faith, only determined by your intellect and what you can see and understand? Is it about me faith, which is more self centered than Christ centered? Or is it the buffet style of faith? you know what, I'm gonna pick and choose today what I want to receive or not. If so, you're drifting. We need to become more like the person that is described in Ephesians 4.14 where it says that we may no longer be tossed and to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. We need to not be tossed to and fro by this drifting faith. We need to be anchored this morning in the crucified faith, a life lived by faith in the Son of God who loved both you and I. And He gave Himself so that we could live according to His purpose for our lives. But we're no longer in danger of placing our faith in things that in the end, simply result in spiritual death. We've been crucified with Christ. We're no longer living. Amen? What is in you? This morning, I want to speak to you guys at home real quickly. What is in you this morning? that has caused you to drift. If any one of those three things identified with you, I want you to anchor yourself this morning back to God and say, God, I wanna receive your truth today. Areas of my life that I've been drifting, I wanna reconcile them to you today. For you in this room this morning, where is it that God is showing you that you may be drifting just a little bit? No problem, but today look back to God Fix your eyes on God again and say, God, I have been drifting. Help me this morning to anchor myself back into you where it's no longer me who's living. Stand up with me if you would this morning. There may be some of you at home watching online and if you're here this morning and you're watching this and you're saying, you know what? Forget being anchored to this or that or the other, this type of faith. I don't have anything to anchor to. I want you to know this morning that Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life and he died for you so that you might be reconciled to God the Father. Here in this room, you need to know that Jesus came to die for you so that your sins would be forgiven and you could be reconciled to the Father again. And so if you're not anchored to anything, that's the first thing you need to get anchored to is Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you're at home and you're watching online, if you're here in this room, I want you to pray this prayer with me. We're all going to join with you in this prayer. And it's a simple prayer, but it's basically saying we surrender to you, Jesus. So you're there at home. You can close your eyes if you want to. You can be if with your family. You can grab each other's hands. If you're there with your family here, hold, hold, hold hands with one. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, I come to you as a sinner, and I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn away from that sin, and I thank you for forgiving me. Lead me and guide me into all truth so that I am never going to be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a clap offering for those who surrendered their lives today? Listen, if that was you that surrendered your life, if you're on Rev City TV, you can just click the raise your hand button there and we'll, we'll celebrate with you in heaven. If you're on Facebook or any of those social platforms, Do me a favor uh, and get on your phone and you type in new life to 30500. We have a gift that we want to give you, uh, get into your hand. We have a a fresh start Bible just like this one that we want to put into your hand. If you're here this morning and you surrendered your life to Jesus, stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift, this Bible, that we want to put into your hands today. I'm just telling you, God is rejoicing in heaven for those that have surrendered their lives. Can we clap one more time for those people? And if you're here this morning and you said, you know what, man, Eddie, as you were talking, all I could see was myself at a buffet picking and choosing what I wanted to enjoy out of God's word. Or any of these other places, sight and and signs or or, uh, it's about me, faith. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to bow your heads real quick and close your eyes. Just one more moment here before we dismiss. Just bow your heads and close your eyes so this is a private moment between you and God. If you in any area of your life feel like you've been drifting from God, Would you please just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it back down. I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm gonna look around one more time. I see you there. Yes, thank you. Awesome. If you're at home there, you say, you know what, Eddie? I'm drifting. Right there where you're at at home, just between you and God, the Holy Spirit's with you already. I just want you to, I'm gonna pray over you and I just want you to just do business with God right there. Father God, I pray for those hands that were lifted up this morning, of those that acknowledge that there's areas of their life that they're drifting from you. And I pray, Lord God, your word just says you're an ever-present help in our time of need, that now you would go right to where they're at. Meet them in their homes, in their cars, wherever it is here in this sanctuary. Meet them, Lord God. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation. Envelop them, Lord God, with your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, help them now to be anchored to your word that says you will never leave them or forsake them, but that you will lead them and guide them into all truth. You will forgive them, you will restore them, and you will heal them. Father, thank you so much for your forgiveness, for your grace, and for your mercy. Everybody said amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Let's continue our worship here this morning.